everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Uh, Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can go find that at authormagazine.org. And we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. And of course, they host a fantastic writers' conference every year in September. As I record this, I am getting ready to head out to that conference. But as you listen to this, it will have already happened. So if I saw you there, hey, didn't we have a great time? Yeah, we did. Wasn't that fun? It sure was. Anyway, uh, I'm going to be in Alaska this coming weekend uh, teaching at the Alaska Guild Writers Conference. That's going to be a lot of fun. The week after that, I'll be in Texas for the Permian Basin Writers Conference. And a couple weeks after that, down in Pasadena for the Writers Digest Novel Writing Conference. So I hope I see you one of those places. And, uh, you know, so today's, today's guest, Randy Kay, she's what my mother-in-law would call a pip. A pip. She's got a lot of, a lot of energy. Well, she's led an interesting life, and she's written a couple books. Her most recent is called Happier Made uh, Simple, and it's just based on her very interesting, challenging, but, you know, ultimately creative life, and we had a great conversation about it all. Uh, Randy is a, well, she does a lot of things. Uh, She harnesses the power of words in her work as a radio personality, improv and stage actor, drama teacher, humorist, podcast host, writer, motivational speaker, voice talent, and audiobook narrator. Her mission is to share her lessons of resilience, humor, and the power of words to help others live happier with the energy to reach their goals. She wrote Happier Made Simple in response to readers of her first book, the memoir Ben Behind His Voices, and attendees of her presentations who always asked, with all you've been through, how do you stay so positive? Randy enjoys speaking to groups of doctors, nurses, and medical students, families, providers, and legislators regarding the family experience when mental illness hits. And we talked about it all, of course, in this fabulous conversation, and I'm glad I get to share it with you now. Enjoy. Okay, look who it is. It's Randy Kay. Randy, how you doing? Hello. I'm great. How are you? You know, I'm doing okay, actually. It's uh we were just talking. It's so it's summertime as I record this, but when people listening, when people listening to it, we will be smack in the middle of what we call what I think of as conference season, writers' conference season. It really starts about now and kind of runs through the fall. Do you do many of those? I have never been to a writers' conference. What? I know. Isn't that crazy? And I'm like, all right, you talk about writers conferences in here. I have to go to one. So um, I, I have been to voiceover conferences. I have been to mental health okay. conferences. Yeah. I have been to conferences, but I haven't. I've done a writing class, but not a writer's conference. Yeah, I think I should, have to go to one. I think you should because you have such a great, we're going to talk about this, but Randy's a multi-talented woman. She's, I mean, <laughs> look, nothing wrong with just writing, but she does a lot of other things and um, including performance oriented. And sometimes mm-hmm. the writer does not always feel as comfortable in front of people as they do in front of their screen. So I think you would probably do very well. Uh, bringing that theatrical flair to the classroom and the podium, so to speak. So, uh, you still your career. All right. So you're you've written. You're the author of two books. One right. a memoir. Interestingly, the memoir and and happier made simple. Will you call that in the personal growth? 
category? Would you be willing to categorize? Yeah, okay. yeah, I'd say that. Not, you know, we were just talking about Martha Beck, who's a who's oh, first book was memoir, her. and she also does personal growth. It's a common blend; those two things. But you started artistically began in the performance, not in purely writing on the stage. Yeah. Yes. Unlike what I just reread in your book, which is that most writers are introverts. Yeah. I am not. Yeah. I am an extrovert whose yeah. big obstacle to writing was I have to spend all that much time by myself. Yeah. I don't want to spend that much time yeah. by myself. Although the writing does keep you company. It's kind of like yes, it does. That, that flow and, and it's the kind of thing. So I, I love in your book kind of echoing what I read um, in Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic yeah. as I was getting my second book written, which is just like the idea comes to you and you're either going to say, yes, idea, I will write you down, or you say, nope, idea, move on to somebody else. And with both of my books, I have felt that very cliche, but that it was written through me. Yeah. Like th this had to be written and it had to be written by me. And coincidentally, I was given some free time in which I could spend some hours writing and and two books got written to my great surprise, because I was never one of these like, oh, I'm going to grow up and be a writer. That yeah. wasn't my goal, but I do love to communicate. And it's just part of the arsenal of how we do it. Well, but, you know, the one thing I was talking to um, a playwright. He won the Pulitzer Prize, actually, after I talked to him. Not because I talked to him. What was his name? I can't remember. <laughs> I'm blanking on it now. But um, he comes from theater, and he written some novels. But we were talking about, because I did theater, too. and um, You did? Yeah, okay. I did. I, I wrote, my brother and I did, wrote sketch comedy for a while. We did back in our Oh, right. 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 It's kind of so interesting. Funny. I was yeah, when you've in read that. each other, when you've read each other's books, you're like, oh, yeah. I That's that right. Idea. I do. That's right. But I do think, and I, I love music. I write music and, and, and sing and like that, though it's all private. But don't you think as a performer, the thing you have to do, even if you've memorized your song or your lines and you've done the show 30 times, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you have to show up and be present for that performance, that song. And it has to feel like it's the first time you ever did it. Right. I mean, in terms Absolutely. of the, you have to be in the moment. Right. You you do. And I have you know, I have done theater. I have done improv and I'm currently, I think, working. Look how I disqualified myself. <laughs> work, working on a one woman show because Ooh, I've, I've never nice. wanted to I've never wanted to do it because it's too lonely. I'm a collaboration gal. Sure. So I like theater. I like, let's get together with the cast and the director and, you know, yeah. work it out in the audience. Uh, but uh, I'm approaching a big birthday and I'm like, and I'm thinking about what am I going to say when I raise my glass of wine to toast my guests if I have a party? And I say, right. I, I really want the toast to be 45 minutes long. So I'm thinking maybe, oh. but anyway. All right. Um, so that's yeah, interesting. So okay. Don't, don't you, don't, you know, own it. Own it, Randy. And here's right. what you, here's here's how right. I think you own it. You say, I'm working on it. You don't have to know what's going to come of it. All you know is you're interested in it. And trust this. Here, I'm going into coacher mode. I can't help it. That <laughs> if, if you find what it wants to be, then you'll find where it wants to go. Your job is to find if you actually can complete it to your satisfaction. Right? Absolutely. Right? And that is how, yes, because I agree. That is how I felt with both my books. It's Good. Like one, to me, it's, uh, that that first step is 
you know, people talk about the difference between dreaming and, and having a goal. And yeah. to me, a dream is you've never taken one step toward it. It's far away. You're like, right. oh, that looks nice. Right. Like, like right. I thought I wanted to be an astrobiologist when I was a kid because I like Star Trek, you know. So right. I was like, oh, I'm going to be an astrobiologist because I like biology and I like space. And and then I took organic chemistry in, in college. And that was the end of that. I took right. one step toward the goal and I went, oh, I see this more clearly now. No, thank you. I'm yeah. going to move on. Yeah. So I think that with both of my books, they were in me. They were waiting to be written. And what it needed was that first step. And it doesn't always lead to the end, but no. it leads you to being closer to, oh, this is what it takes to write a I book. I love that. I love that, Randy. It's so true. I think I talk about this. The book she keeps referring to, by the way, because you're just listening, is Everyone Has What It Takes, A Writer's Guide to the End of Self-Doubt, my my most recent. There it is. And in it, I believe I talk, I know I do. I talk about when I did public speaking. You do public speaking. Yeah, and I was on. thinking about it all the time. But I realized, and I said to myself, quite literally, you know there's a difference between doing something and thinking you'll be good at it and thinking it'll yeah. be cool. I was like, you have got to go find out. And I did, in fact, really love it as I suspected I would. But I still knew, Randy, that there's a difference between thinking that would be cool and like, oh, I see what writing a book is or putting on a play or whatever right. it is. And do you like the pro And if you like the process, like you had to learn, for instance, that you liked it, you could sit alone. You actually could do it and write right. it. Because if you right. could, you would have just done something else. Absolutely. And when you talk about the Rotary Clubs and your first yeah. your first speech yeah. at the Rotary yes. Club and being nervous. And so you asked about theater. So it's the same thing. It's I had one director tell us once and we were doing a show called Into the Woods, Sondheim, one of my favorite yeah. shows yeah, ever. Yeah. And we happened to do about 30 performances of it, which is short by some standards and long by yeah. high school theater standards. Sure. It's one weekend and out, right. you know, <laughs> which is what all hooks us to begin with. Yeah. But I remember about like the 23rd or 24th performance and our director came backstage and said, just remember this, this audience doesn't know the story. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's not that for me, it was the first time I was doing it. It was the first time I was doing it for people who'd never heard the story before. And so you have to let it unfold in a new relationship, because, as you know, as a speaker and from theater, every audience has its own personality. That's right. That's and right. so you're they're going to laugh at different jokes. They're going to yep. teach you about your message by the way they respond during and after. It's so true. It's so yeah. true. Randy. Like, and you. And I think an audience has no idea the role they play in the performance. They play yeah. such a, if, if the, if the performer, whether they're giving a talk or doing theater is tuned in and you pretty much have to, if you like it and you are responding, they are as much a part of that performance as you are, though they, you would have no idea sitting there, but that's the case. Yeah. And the fun thing about doing a show, I just, I just did another theater piece, uh, not musical this, this summer it was a romantic senior romantic comedy romance i don't know a comedy drama a senior sort of romance a romance story okay. and um but there were funny lines in it and then there'd be nights where you would just tweak the timing a tiny bit or just think for me as an actor i think the character's thoughts 
And right. probably as a writer, you think what the character might think. And as you say, don't write what they're thinking, write what they say, yeah. but they might be thinking something else. Right. So, um, but I would try to think what the inner dialogue of my character is. And sometimes in reacting to the other actor, it comes out differently or slightly different sure. with the timing. Sure. And then, and then you get a laugh and you're like, Oh, I didn't even know that was funny. Thank you audience. And then, you know, you move on to the next. So it, yeah. it is an exercise in constantly being present, but also constantly being open to the to what's around you yeah and, because and I, you feel it out yeah and i think that the the, the mistakes and i or the part that is missing or that people don't understand about writing sometimes is the degree to which it's it is an exercise in being present i always say that when i'm writing i'm trying even though i write about my i use stories from my past to write about my subjects and is i'm being present with myself so that i can keep up with what i'm interested in in that moment what i'm actually interested in because i don't know about you randy but I have to, I discover what it is I'm actually wanting to discover, learn, where I'm wanting to go. And the only way to do that is to be present with myself in the moment of writing. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm going to add present. And this is difficult. And, and I know it was for you too from your book. Present and non-judgmental. Oh, no judgment. Yeah. It is so hard. I think if I were to look back on my life 30 years from now or whatever I'm lucky enough to have, I will think that the theme has been to unsnap my judgment. Yeah. Always unsnap it. No more snap judgments. And yeah. part of that was growing up. Yeah, and I, part of me likes to think like, oh, our little souls are up in heaven going, I need to be born into that family because that family will teach me my challenges. You know, yeah. so well, I think I it might a, work that way. <laughs> Who knows? If it comforts you to think about it, think about it. Yeah. So I always think like I, it was a family that was like, oh, she's heavier than her. And, you know, right, this one, oh, this right. one's not Jewish and this one is, you know, yeah. and just like back and forth. And, and I'm learning constantly to be open to people. And it's how I got to my successful second marriage was like unsnapping my judgment and just being open to the humanity of who people are and, and, and approaching people with connection and curiosity first rather than judgment. Yeah. And I did spend three years as an anti-defamation league trainer teaching diversity oh, nice. and inclusion. And it was an incredible experience, just, you know, part of my speaker career, but just to take that training and open my eyes to, uh, you know, invisible racism and judgments. I didn't even know I was still harboring and questioning them and being open. So anyway, but we approach our characters the same way. Let's, yeah like let them teach us who they are by just sort of what happens. So, and, and going back to what you said, being present when you're writing and I would, I, I can't totally say a non-judgment, that's a goal, but being aware of when you're judging, which is half the battle and then going, Oh, that's me judging what I'm doing. And is it good enough? And, you know, would a good writer write this and you know, all that. So to be present and open and curious rather than judgmental really helps in acting as, as well as in writing and then letting the other people affect you. Acting is reacting is yeah. the typical cliche, but as yeah. you know, the theater person, it's, uh, and sometimes your characters, does this happen to you? Cause I don't write much fiction. I've written I don't write memoir. fiction anymore. I don't write fiction anymore. Yeah. So, but I wrote, I mean, personal essay and memoir, is weirdly close to fiction. I don't mean to mm -hmm. say I'm making stuff up, but some stuff you have to invent dialogue. You can't 
yeah. you know, you can't remember. And sometimes I combine things. I'm not sure. Then I don't care. I'll just do it the way I think it, would. you know, so there is a blend. There is a blend. I look upon it as art and not journalism, you know, that, that's that, true. Even the book and, you're reading. And, it, and that was definitely a, a book of art and incredible life advice that, it, it, of course, it helps that you think the way I think. So I'm like, yeah, oh, he's so right. <laughs> Things like me. But right. um, when I when I wrote my memoir, I, you know how you have nightmares about stress. So yes. my, you know, I have stage nightmares and blah blah blah. But uh, my big nightmare was I have to write a term paper. That was like that was it? I never, Yeah, I like I never thought I wanted to be a writer, and my because I hate writing, but I love writing. Like it's yeah, weird. Like yeah, I, yeah. I love having written, but I also yeah. sometimes if, if four hours go by and you don't That's realize right. it, then you must yeah. love it on some level. But my nightmare was always like, never. There's a test tomorrow that never scared me. There's a term paper due, and I have. You know started. why? Do you know why that is? And I have a, actually have strong feelings about this, which is why people. And the reason I have a career as part of my career as a coach is because just what you said. I love it, and I hate it. How could you hate something you love? And it's. Writing is one of the few activities where that's the case. You know, you don't, probably don't say that about singing. You probably don't say that about acting. And I think that the reason is that you, in order to write, you have to go somewhere within yourself that has to which there, where there is no thing, nothing to react to. When you mm. write, there's nothing to react to. And there's often a feeling of having nothing, of being disconnected. And it's an awful feeling. Then you get connected and it's fine. But the problem with term papers, Randy, is they're saying, you write about this thing, whether yeah. you are interested in it or not, and nothing good comes of that. And you're trying to make yourself be interested. It's like, go have sex with this person you are not attracted to or in love yeah. with. Now go. This, it's, to me, it is the same. It's true. And I think you have to love that subject. Be interested you, in that you subject. Do. Right? But even if you do the process. Like, it's still hard sometimes. It is because it's because it takes work. Yeah, I'm, I'm just listening to uh, Molly Shannon's uh, memoir called Oh, oh Molly. Fantastic. I've heard it's great. I've heard it's oh, great. my God. Listen, yeah. listen to the audiobook. She's of course. Amazing. Yeah. But I realized again, I had the same reaction I had when I read Steve Martin's autobiography, which is like, she worked really hard. Yeah. Like, she used to call 500 people to get 200 people to come to her one woman show. And I'm right. like, <laughs> I don't know if I would have done that. But, you know, it, but so interesting. But, and and the process, and she also talks about loving the process and and having the audition be be just enjoyed. Like, how lucky am I to be auditioning? A lot yeah. of people aren't doing this, but there always is for me. And my husband knows this. Every time I do a play, I start out like I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play. And there's one night, always without fail, where I go, I hate theater. Why am I? Oh, why oh am it I does happen. Okay. Yes. All right. There's always one night. It's usually like three nights before dress rehearsal when you know your lines, but it's not going you're right bored. technically. And you're just like, you want to go home and you want to have dinner with your family. And it's just like, you just go, oh, why do I do this? I'm never doing another show. And my husband goes, that's just you having that night that right. you have that you hate theater. And I know it's going to, and he's right. And now I look at it that way and I step outside myself and I go, Randy, that's just you having that night you have when you, right. you know, when, when you do that. So with the book, with my first book, the memoir, it was like the biggest term paper I ever had to write because it is about, people had asked me to write it because I told stories about this and my, I know you have a son that is not broken at all, but has, it was a, that is a, tough. 
different to raise because right. I, I, he's on the spectrum as you speak about in your book. So my son developed schizophrenia in his right. mid-teens, yeah. uh, a serious mental illness whose worst symptom is you don't know you have it. So it's not like they right. go, oh, thank you. Treat me. I'll feel better. Right. So the process of raising someone you love so much and having challenges that kind of separate you from the pack and trying to help them have as best a life as they can have is what my memoir is about. But in order to recreate our journey, and, and I wanted people to understand what it's like for the families before they meet the practitioners, because most families go through 10 years of what is happening. Right. So I had to recreate. And you're right. It's a little bit of from it's the way I remember the stories, not the what way my son remembers the sure. stories. Right. So, you know, I had to look up hospital records and I had I had some conversations taped. But as a writer, you go, oh, that part's boring. I'll leave that out. So, yeah, right. it is it is a process. But once I got rolling. And past a certain tipping point, I was like, well, I got to finish now. Yeah. You know, now I got to finish yeah. the book, got to finish the book. So. But, and it and got so, published, you know. Got I know you got out there and you probably had some fantastic conversations with people about it, given especially oh given God. the subject. And so now having so it made simple, mm -hmm. which is book number two, um what what compelled you to write this? Uh where this must have been based upon some own your own experiences, your own techniques, mm -hmm. your own approaches. And I also also if I know a thing or two about people who write these books, having not been happy for <laughs> a certain amount of time. Yes, it's always the origin warm? story. Yeah. Um, yes. So in the 10 years, Ben Behind His Voices came out 10 years ago, and I got fortunate enough to have the opportunity to speak to a lot of people internationally, right. mostly internationally, it was two places, but still it counts, hey, Warsaw hey. and London. So sure. I got flown first class. It was very cool. Nice. But I, I spoke to a lot of people and I still, I have a podcast called Schizophrenia, Three Moms in the Trenches, where I teamed up with two other author advocate moms and we, we just do a podcast to help people. So in the course of speaking about that, and I also was traveling the country talking about stress reductions. And then I would tell my story of my son and people would come up to me afterwards and go, oh, I've never been able to talk about it. So, But people would always say, but you have such a good energy and you're so positive. Like this terrible thing has happened to one of your children. How can you stay so positive? And I started to tell them the things I tell myself about what happens to me. And how I'm not happy 100% of the time, and I'm not supposed to be happy 100% of the time. But I do think that if you can find positivity as much as you can, you then have the energy to write and to help other people and to reach Everything. your goals and to make the world a better place. So if you're not, if you can't find some positivity or a little bit more positivity, no, the title is Happy or Not Happiness, Made Simple. Right. Without that energy, it's difficult to move to move ahead and move on and have courage and take risks. And so I started to think about the things that I tell myself and read happiness books. And they were all so long and the font was like an eight point font and so much theory. And then I found out in my in my research 
that most people buy a self-help book and read a chapter and a half and put it on the shelf if they even open it because right. it's just too much. It's too complicated. People have told me like they they finish the book and they're like, well, that's interesting, but I still don't know what to do. So I, I created a lunch and learn with seven core phrases that I use, which are on my mug. You know, so yeah. all you have to, these are the things that help me be here now. It is what it is. We're all connected. This is good. All will be well. Isn't that interesting? Humor, the special sauce of positivity. And whatever happens, I'll handle it somehow. And this is for self-talk. These are the things that most of the time can get me unstuck. Yeah. At, at least enough. And so uh, it makes a convenient acronym breathe for being reality, engagement, appreciation, and so on. And I tried to write a, like a conversational book with a story in every chapter. And so yeah. my son's illness, um, raising two kids as a single parent, having no money, my brother finding out that he's not really my brother through a DNA test, waking up from, <laughs> you know, we've all been through stuff. You sure. know, stuff Everybody's got something. Yeah everybody's got something waking up from a surgery with my left leg paralyzed, stuff like that. And, um, and a few, you know, 16 years of what I call relationship high school between husbands, figuring out stuff. And, um, you know, it's no better or worse or bigger or smaller than anybody else's set of problems. So those are the ones that I have so far faced that I want to say, Hey, you know what? I'm not perfect. I have days that are like, ugh, but, most of the time I have the energy to reach out to the world because of my self-talk. And so that's what the work is about. Yeah. Happier no, it's, made simple. Oh, it's everything, you know, this, you know, I, I tell my clients like you, your career as a writer, I used to think it was all about how well I wrote and I was very, very disciplined about my writing. And, you know, I got that and that helps. You certainly do want to take your craft and the writing right. seriously and, and fearless writing. My first, my book before the one you've read was all about how to write fearlessly, but I've come to understand your career is really what happens in your mind when you leave the desk. What do you say to yourself? What do you believe? What's the talk about your career, about writing, about possibility, about the world? That's where I was not disciplined for a long time. And that's mm. what undid me, uh, even though I was like a very disciplined writer. Uh, I was very undisciplined in my self-talk when I wasn't writing. And it, it was like taking my, I would put money in the bank when I wrote. And then I leave and I just take it out and take it out and take it out with a sort of with little tiny stuff, little tiny stuff. And I am more and more conscious of what I think when I'm not writing, just about my life and possibilities. And that has had the biggest impact, I think, on my career, which is really my life, you know, all yeah. the stuff that's not my writing. And it's critical. It's critical in turn. And it just and it wears away at you, Randy, the little niggling beliefs and things that you say it just wears away at you and takes your confidence away and enthusiasm away and desire away and it can just be the the quietest little thought that if spoken aloud you'd think i would never say that to anybody else i would never yeah. wish it on anybody else and it's in your mind going tick 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 so i'm all yeah. for it happier yeah you, go for it yeah so tell i'm just curious now um because I'm, I'm a radio broadcaster yeah. too, and I love to interview people. So, but tell me an example of what you tell yourself now that's different from what you used to tell yourself that's working for you. Well, I think one of the biggest things is my relationship to the future is mm. I, I would spend too much time thinking I knew what I needed it to be. And um, I realized I was looking at what I was doing now, which I loved, 
and I was, and having success with and really enjoying the success and realizing this was never the plan. You couldn't have pictured this. So you just found this, like nothing you thought was the plan ever worked out ever. So don't try to plan it, but, in, but pay attention to what is lighting up for you now and pay attention to what is interesting to you now and what you know about it now and let that always be enough. You don't actually have to know the future. The way I, I love that. I, the way I pretended I did or pretended I needed to do. And, and what that does, I think, is it keeps your attention. Like everything is here in the present moment. But if your attention is in the, in the present moment, then you aren't tuned into all the opportunities and ideas that are there for you. If you could just drop your mind from the future. I spent less time in the past, but the future was my great sort of had me transfixed a lot of the times and it yeah. would just slowed the process down. I think I also had certain things about just uh, who was, Oh, who was interested in philosophy essentially? Cause I'm kind of a philosopher and mm -hmm. I'm writing about that a lot now in my new book, but just believing like I had to sneak it in or else people would be bored and it wasn't true, but I, I had that quiet belief. And so I couldn't really be myself. So I had to kind of reject myself first. Very interesting. And then be entertaining so people could tolerate my interest in what's it all about, <laughs> you know, which is what I'm most interested in. So it's funny what we do to our what we do to ourselves. I mean, I a few things comfort me. And one is it's okay. It's okay. I don't want to use the word fail. I hate that word. It's okay to have, like you just said, to have your future be different from what you manifested. Like I did manifest my husband out of thin air. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Like once I knew what I wanted and I got rid of my judgment, I said, you know, that I thought I wanted that, but really what I want is this. So that's right. what I'm just going to kind of attract. And honestly, when I look at that list, he's got 19 out of the 20 qualities wow. and I'll take it, you know, but when I wrote this book, I manifested a hundred thousand copies being sold, blah, 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 blah. And that hasn't happened yet, but I, but I have to follow my own advice and go, you know what? I wrote the book. Like that was that I'm working on this TEDx talk also about yeah. how life work-life balance is BS, but work home or personal and art is the three-legged stool that, and we're always like this. We're not right. ever balanced. We're just trying to throw color at our life as needed. You know, right. like there were times when I couldn't do theater because I had two young babies and the colors were all about, home and work so I could support at home you know and just like but later on in my life like when I had a when I left radio it was all about my art and I wrote this book and I threw color at it and at the end it's going to be this beautiful mosaic that we can't see till the end of you know but 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 if your art is in it whatever your art is if it's writing a book if it's being on stage if it's wearing designer clothing I know people to whom that's their art not mine but you know that's their art and I've come to respect that a $400 purse is important to somebody because right. they feel like they're wearing art. And so the writing is for you and me is kind of part of all of it. Sure. Because <laughs> it's Absolutely. our work. It's our personal. It's also our art. And, yep. but, but it's just, you know, and in the end, we'll have this life that may not be the way we would have painted it when we were 20. But looking back, I'm like, my God, I wrote two books. How did that even happen? And so it, it, it's a more open way to look at your life, I think. Yeah. And, and I love um, 
I also, the other thing is that I'm learning that if you get a bad review, then you've arrived. <laughs> I and like I, it. I like. I used it. to think, oh my God, what if somebody doesn't uh, like me? And then it's like that dent in your car when you have a new car and somebody smashes their shopping cart into it and you're like, all right, now I can relax. Now it's a car. Now it's just <laughs> a know? car. When Ben Behind His Voices came out, a couple of people were like, this woman's making money off of her son's bye, misery. Bye, and I'm yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, there's always going to be you know, some people, if you put yourself out there, there are going to be people who don't get it. That's right. That's, that's right, that's people. All right, now, people want to learn about you. They want you to come talk to their group or learn about me. What's the, where do they go? Where do they go? Probably the easiest is to go to my website, randyk.com. It's spelled very weirdly with a right. Y-E at the end of both. R-A-N-D-Y-E-K-A-Y-E.com. Um, against the advice of some people, I'm going to fix this eventually, but right now, Happier Made Simple and Ben Behind His Voices each have their own websites, happiermadesimple.com, yeah. benbehindhisvoices.com. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's, it's out there. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Uh, you, you can find me. Just Google Randy K with a Y-E at the end of both of those, and you will find me. And the books are all are available on Amazon and Audible as an audiobook narrator. I narrated both of them. And of then behind his voices got nominated for an award. But John Yay! Lithgow won over me. Imagine that. <laughs> hey. Well, hey. to be beaten by John Lithgow, just to be beaten by John Lithgow. I know. It's great. All right. So i got one more question for you, Randy K, with a Y at the end of both. Uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to finish oh, I this. I did not sentence. prepare an answer. I know good, the question's good. coming, and I don't remember. Right, writing. Ahead. All right. Just oh, clear your mind. Writing. Think about all the writing. If it's taught you anything, it's taught you what? If writing has taught me anything, it has taught me that everybody's life is interesting and worth learning about. Yeah. I agree. I agree, people. It's certainly true for me. And you're interesting. And you're worth learning about. Randy, great talking to you. This was a Same lot here. of fun. I really enjoyed it. Oh, boy. Randy is right. She is. We're all interesting. You're interesting. You are. You got stories to tell. No one's lived your life but you. And it's interesting. We all are. Okay. Listen, that was a lot of fun. Glad I got to share that with you. And I'm looking forward to next week's guest. I'm looking forward to seeing you at conferences. I hope to see you there. In the meantime, I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, my friend. And to all of you out there, thank you. Now go find something you love to do and do it.